Welcome to Journal Talk, a weekly podcast about journal writing for passion, clarity, and purpose. Passion. Reignite that passion for the things and people you care about most. Clarity. Discover who you are and what you really want. Purpose. Get to the heart of life's issues to remember your divine purpose. And now, here's your host of Journal Talk, Nathan Oren. I'm Nathan Oren, and this is Journal Talk, episode 38, with my guest, Samara O'Shea. Samara is a blogger, a word lover, a letter writer, and author of three amazing books, which we'll talk about in just a moment. And here with me now is Samara O'Shea. Samara, welcome to Journal Talk. Thank you so much. Hey, glad to, to have here. you here. <laughs> yeah, glad to have you. I am excited to talk about these three different books and you and who you are and some new projects you got brewing as we speak. So why don't we start off just if you could share a little bit about what you do and how I know you started with this website, The Letter Lover. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, absolutely. So it was, I'm going to say 2004-ish and I, uh, I had an idea to launch a website where I offered to write letters for people. Um, if they were having trouble articulating themselves. And it took a year. A lot of times it takes a while for the idea to become the reality. And in 2005, it was launched. And people really did. They asked me to help them write letters for serious situations and fun situations and professional situations. And I loved it. I loved playing wordsmith and hearing about their (laughs) lives. It was so interesting to me. And I as you can imagine, in my own personal life as an avid letter writer, and I wanted to find a way to encourage people to continue writing letters, even though we technically don't have to anymore. And Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. also an avid journal writer, the the two go hand in hand a bit. So that website led to my first book. A publisher saw it and asked if I would write a guide to letter writing, and I was, of course, thrilled. And so that book is called For the Love of Letters, A 21st Century Guide to the Art of Letter Writing. And it came That's out in April, April 2007. Thank you. Yeah, it was really a dream come true, you know, to, to have that happen, to have the right person see it at the right time. And, yes, um, yes. So that was your first book then? Yes, that was my first book. Wow, wow. I, I'm wondering how that would have felt to have people contact you and share the intimate details of some situation and have, and hoping you're going to find the right words for them to give this letter to their boss or their lover or their parents or their children. How was that experience? It felt very natural. And I was I was nervous when people first started contacting me, sort of, as you said, how the heck is this going to work? Um, <laughs> but I, I just related to them. We're all human. I could certainly pull something out of my own life to find a way to identify with them. And as I said, I have a lot of fun playing with words and, you know, making a situation more poetic on paper. And so the the whole situation, it came naturally. And, and as far as I know, I had a good relationship with all of my customers. Um, nobody mm-hmm. came back to me and said, oh, this is horrible. This didn't work out. I, if, if the people felt that way, they just never got back in touch with me. And those who did get back in touch with me usually said, oh, this was wonderful. And the person who received it was very flattered. So Nice, nice. Mm-hmm. Samara, can you tell us, is, was there ever a time somebody asked you to write a breakup letter? No, actually. I had an example <laughs> breakup letter on my website. Most of the letters were apology letters. Ah, interesting. And, and which, 
Yes, which makes perfect sense. You, you can't always find the right words to, to say you're sorry. Um, yes. A lot of lo- love letters, which is encouraging. And then uh, along the same lines of love letters, a lot of I want you back letters. I made a mistake. So the breakup mm. took place, whether they initiated it or were on the receiving end, and then they wanted the person back. But not mm-hmm. an actual, mm-hmm. I don't want to see you anymore. That didn't come up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Interesting, interesting. Can you tell us maybe an example of when you felt like uh, an example letter that where you felt like you had really accomplished your purpose and made uh, a couple feel happy? Yes. One stands out. There was a woman who wanted to write a very special letter to her husband who was returning from Iraq one Christmas. And we wrote the letter together and she gave it to him and she wrote me and said he was crying it crying as he was reading it. He was crying happy tears. And I, I was really wow. glad that she shared with that with me. That was really incredible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wonderful. So that wonderful. was special, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if you are part writer and part psychotherapist. Yes, exactly. And, and that, <laughs> uh, <laughs> strangely enough, it was, it was predicting my future because I'm now in a master's program training to be a psychotherapist. <laughs> When I wrote my entry essay, I, you know, I'm sure that I said I, I really became a therapist writing letters for people. <laughs> that was <laughs> yes. my, my first exposure to it. <laughs> yes, yes. Wow, that's wonderful. So then comes your second book. I take it that was, that's the one I, I read, Note to Self on Keeping a Journal and Other Dangerous Pursuits. I had to laugh at the title. It's just a, a very fun, uh, clever title, and it is filled with fun and clever, heart-touching stories. Tell us a little bit about that one. I'm so glad you liked it. That one came a year after the first one, and we were looking for a follow-up, and um, had a few ideas, had a few ideas of going with the uh, continuing the letter writing theme. And then I thought, oh, wait a second, I could write, you know, a book with the exact same format about my journal writing experience because I've, you know, been a journal writer for many, many years. And I put the proposal together and showed it to the publisher and they were on board. So this came out uh, the following year in, I think, July 2008. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wonderful. had a different... We we had a different subtitle. I, I I honestly forget what it was. Probably something simple, uh, a guide to journal writing. And then I remember emailing my editor and saying, "How about this? On keeping a journal and other dangerous pursuits." And that that was fun. And I'm so glad they went with it. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a catchy title. And why would you consider journal writing a dangerous pursuit? I think uh, being honest with yourself, which ideally is one aspect of journal writing, uh, can always be mm-hmm. a little dangerous to admit to yourself that maybe you don't want to be in this relationship anymore or you want to try for a job and you have no experience in that field. Those are scary things to do, but in in order to live the well-lived life, I think we need to do those things that frighten us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very nice. You know, this is a book, I have to admit, a lot of books that I read, I will kind of skim over the introduction. It's like, yeah, 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 okay, let's get to the heart and meat. But (laughs) yeah. But this one, you subtitled your introduction, Write for Your Life, which naturally I was uh, drawn to because that's the name of my website, writeforlife.us. So I had to see, and you opened it with a quote from Anais Nin when she says, uh, we write to taste life twice, once in the moment and then in retrospection. So you caught me there. I read the whole introduction 
and <laughs> was just uh, lapping up uh, some of the some of the stories. Tell us about how you first got started journaling and and what happened in fifth grade. I'm glad you like that quote. That's one quote that every time I read it, I'm just like, yes, she nailed it. She said it because journal writing can offer some therapy in the moment, and then it can it can offer maybe letting go or moving on or realizing what you've learned or even just memory. Maybe you mm-hmm, forgot mm-hmm. about something and reading it later, you're like, oh, yeah, this thing. So, yeah, writing certainly gives us something in the moment and something in the future. But I began journaling. I know I tried to do it when I was in fifth grade because I thought everybody has a, has to keep a journal. That's just what you do. Um, mm-hmm. And even then, I felt the pressure to do it every day. And then I just wouldn't. And I'd start like a cute journal that had a lock on it or something. And then I, I, you know, it would get tossed away and then I'd try to start another one and it didn't really happen until high school. I remember sort of saying to myself, you know what? Don't tell yourself you have to do it every day. Just do it when you want. That's fine. There you go. Just just taking that restriction off of myself is what enabled me to do it. And there were periods where I would write every day, sometimes multiple times a day and periods where I'd go six months without writing, but, Still, even going that long without writing, I have amassed, you know, many volumes of journals. So, um, mm-hmm. so I think you, there are no rules. It's funny. This is a very private thing, writing in a journal, and we still think there are rules. There's a way to do it. There's no way to do it. Do it however you want to do it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, very good. And tell us about, you know, I just did a, a podcast episode about when somebody reads your journal and how that feels and, and trying to sort of recover from that. And you have a great story about that. Would you share? Yes, I will. I will share. And I've never shared this story, even though, you know, I've talked about this book in so many different ways. So I'm, I'm excited to share the little sad story. So in fifth grade, um, when I was attempting to keep one of my journals, I hid it under the bed and my friend Heather slept over. And I remember she was getting on my nerves. I don't know what she was doing, but she went into the bathroom and I pulled my journal out and I wrote that Heather's getting on my nerves. (laughs) And uh, a few, a few hours later I was in the bathroom and I tried to get back into my bedroom and I couldn't, she had locked me out and and I could hear her. I could hear her. She was reading from my journal. She knew where it was and she just read the whole thing and she read it to me. And it was, Oh, I was so angry. I was banging on the door, let me in. And then, uh, you know, she, she was an honest, fifth grader she didn't hide the fact that she had planned to tell everyone and sure she did on monday morning i went in and oh no what did you have in there uh i had uh my crush my crush was on a boy named jason and he on monday he looked at me with a little bit of sympathy like that was probably really embarrassing so it was sweet he didn't you know he didn't mock me or sort of act like uh-huh, uh-huh. he had just won something but Heather did, and some of the other girls did. It was it was just horrible. But um, now, all these years later, I publish parts of my journal, very personal parts of my journal, and I think maybe that was the beginning of it, getting me over it. Because yeah, I'm sure yeah. she had, she probably, I don't know if she kept a journal or not, but she was probably reading it, thinking, oh yeah, I know exactly what she's talking about. Because you know, we all have similar experiences, and we all think we're alone in our experiences. Yes, yes. And do you mind if I read just a short passage from this introduction? No, no, go ahead. This is the very end of the introduction, just so beautifully written. I count among the most wonderful moments we can experience as human beings, those in which we're walking around thinking we're the only ones. 
I'm the only one who's ever done this dumb thing. I'm the only one who's ever had this random set of feelings. I'm the only one who's ever suffered in such a way. And then we happen upon a poem or a song or a movie scene, a play, a page in a book, and we see ourselves. And it's as if the writer had stolen the thoughts directly from the dusty shelves in our mind, or he or she had ripped the seemingly unique events from our vulnerable memories. And the writer is whispering, it's okay, me too. And it's a satisfying moment when you realize you're not the only one who thinks that orange juice tastes funny after you brush your teeth. <laughs> it's a beautiful, beautiful passage. I love, I love Thank that. Thank you. And you read it very well. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Pen and paper. Yes, I am a pen and paper journal writer. If, you know, however you prefer, whatever's best for you. We remember Doogie Howser. He would, he typed his journals back uh-huh. before. <laughs> we were all typing everything. But a friend of mine told me, she said, I keep a journal, but I know my husband would read it. And in her case, I think, do it on, you know, have that computer journal and lock it down with a password if you think, you know, that would help you. But for me, there's, there's, there's no one to read right now except me, so I'm <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm uh, happy to keep my own journal with a pen and paper. Yes, yes. I'm actually I'm I'm very curious about this. I ask just about I would say ninety percent, maybe even more, the people that I ask on this show whether they use a keyboard or pen and paper, they all say pen and paper. And when I listen to the reasons, I try to dig into the, and, and by the way, me too, I, <laughs> I, I'm a pen and paper person. But what I recently did was I realized if I wanted these journals to last and be sort of artifacts of my life years into the future, sort of proof of my existence or something, I don't know, I'm going to have to put them in some digital format. So I spent thousands of dollars converting all of these uh, pages into PDF. And what I told myself is, you know, in order to avoid this this project in the future, I'm going to have to type these things. Well, let me just try it. So mm-hmm. I'm in this process of just trying it, just trying electronic journaling just to see if I can get that same feeling, get those same thoughts across the page, if it has that same satisfaction to me. And so far, it's okay. I, I still go back to my journal once in a while, handwriting. But uh, have you tried electronic journaling, and would you would you be open to trying it? I have not, and I, I'd be open to it. I try to be open to most things. I guess what part of what stops me is very simple thing is oftentimes I will write very short entries, a sentence or two, just something that I need to get out. And it's much easier to open your your book and write that and have it be done instead of turning uh-huh. the computer on, logging in to get to the place just to write it. Remembering your password. Right. (laughs) Clicking Um, on the link that says forgot your password. (laughs) So I'm going to say that's what stops me, but that's not, you know, that's not a huge barrier, just a little Mm -hmm. thing. Um, And I'm not surprised that that most people like, uh, still like pen and paper, uh, just because I think maybe this generation that's growing up right now, that, you know, between the ages of zero and 10, maybe they'll automatically go toward typing because that's how they grew mm-hmm. up. But I, we grew up writing, handwriting. We learned handwriting. So I think that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I think, I, I think I'm more... impressed that you, uh, that you spent money to turn your journals into PDF. <laughs> and, I don't, you know, I can't imagine. I, I had a conversation with somebody on this show, actually, who 
who reminded me that one of the main reasons he's, you know, he's keeping a journal, and one important aspect of it for me is, you know, I hope that, you know, it gets used in some way. I mean, even, I, I don't have the most fabulous, I'm not an Albert Einstein that has a fantabulous life that's going to be, you know, memorialized like the, the diaries of Anne Frank or anything like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think people are going to wonder what was it like to be alive in the year 20. 12, 2014, 1980, what was it like? And to have a raw account like that is going to be, it's going to be really insightful. And all of the thoughts and the feelings and the struggles and the triumphs, those will be interesting. Maybe there'll be a retro TV show or holographic television show (laughs) (laughs) based on, based on our writings from these years, you know? So. Absolutely. I've thought the same thing insofar as you know, if somebody found a box of letters from World War II, if somebody found a journal from the Civil War in their attic, you know, in a, in a home they move into or something like that, it automatically becomes news. It's like, even yes. if it was the most boring, mundane exchange, it's like, <laughs> but this is from back then, and that was so long ago. So, absolutely, I don't, I don't think it matters for Albert Einstein or not, just that we're telling the story, and, yeah, someday somebody's going to want to hear it. Mhm mhm exactly. Yeah. All right, so we talked about the love of letters and you know, we talk a lot about the, on this show the unsent letter and that book is just a, a fantastic look into the art of letter writing and then we talked about note to self about keeping a journal and other dangerous pursuits. You have a third book. When did that get released and tell us about that? Okay, so there was a big break uh between my first two books. As I said they came out in 2007 2008. And then I took some time off, and the third one just came out this year in February. And, Congratulations. Uh, on, it, thank you. Thank you very much. It's, it's, it's interesting because so much has changed in the publishing world just between the publishing of those books. Uh, it's, it's just a different place. Get, getting a book published and promoting the book, it's, it's fascinating all that's changed in a very short time. Mm-hmm. So this book is called Love Me Not, How to Survive and Thrive in the Face of Unrequited Love. And it's obviously a step away from handwriting, from incorporating handwriting into your life and relationships. But my letters and my journal entries, there's a lot of entries about unrequited love and longing for someone. So I've inadvertently become an expert in that area as well. (laughs) And, uh, And this is a really great book to write. I really feel that I've learned a lot in life and and just about publishing and how to approach writing a book. And so this book, I actually wrote the book proposal in uh, 2011 and it kind of sat on the, on the shelf. Mm. I couldn't find a publisher who was interested in it. And I said, okay, well I'll put this on the shelf. And then I, around that time decided to go back to school. I said, okay, I'll go back to school and maybe I'll revisit this. Maybe I'll self-publish, who knows? And then Mm -hmm. in the fall of 2012, um, editor who I used to work with got in touch with me. She had uh, just started working at a boutique publisher and she asked if I had anything in the pipeline and I said, yeah, and I showed her this and she said, okay, great, we're going to publish it. <laughs> I was like, nice, great. nice. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing and uh, I was still in school at the time, I still am, and I just thought, okay, so I'm, I, didn't, I wasn't willing to give up either pursuit. So I was like, all right, I'm going to take class and I'm going to write a book and that's just going to, it's how it's going to be. <laughs> Um, so I, Great, I and you did I'm it. Really, yeah, I'm really enjoying this summer. Last summer I was working on, on the book a lot, so and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad to do that. Don't get me wrong, but it's also nice to have some downtime. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so I agree. The subject of unrequited love and longing for someone who you just wish would take at least a glance back, you know, that is a a big subject in probably most people's private writing. So I think yeah. there is a very strong connection. And uh, what can you tell us about unrequited love? Any Any secrets you're willing to give? Well, the first thing I'll say is to capitalize on what you just said is I find myself writing so much more in my journal in the, in the throes of unrequited love. That, that's what I'm really at my creative best. So there is a, a little bit of a silver lining, but I find that's when I'm really heavy handed with the journal writing. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there, in, in the book are several of my own personal stories, as well as stories that I've read. I talk about an unrequited love situation that Maya Angelou went through and that Edith Wharton went through. Mm-hmm. And I've learned that um, unrequited love is really, it's not love. It's, a, it's more along the lines of obsession. Mm-hmm. And that, that's been true with me, too. It's more along the lines of looking to another person to validate you than actually uh, being in love. And it, it's part of the human experience, wanting something you can't have or, or just wanting something and, and feeling very rejected when it doesn't work out. But that has helped mm-hmm. me move on from unrequited love situations where where I accept sooner than later that I'm not going to do this and I'm not going to pursue it because it's easy to say to yourself, oh, love is worth fighting for, but not if it's not mutual. Love is certainly worth fighting for if you're both working at it, but if it's it's not a mutual situation, then it's just sort of you're prolonging the heartache. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I say in those situations, spend more time with your journal than trying to win this person. Yes, yeah, that's wonderful advice, and I love how you brought that silver lining out. There's a certain spark of creativity and a certain, yes, uh, obsession, and yes, all of those things, but there's something, that yearning itself can be a beautiful thing taken inward, and just looking at what that is and and writing about that. Mm -hmm. Beautiful, beautiful. Appreciating yourself for for the miracle that you have, that creativity and that spark of, of yearning. And it's important to know, that's a, a great way to put it, that, that the yearning is a beautiful thing in and of itself because often in those situations you're giving everything, all the decision-making is in the other person's hands where you can sit with yourself and say, you know what, my feelings are legitimate. I am more than welcome to be attracted to this person, to feel something for them so they don't feel the same. Okay, that mm-hmm. hurts, but my feelings in and of themselves are legitimate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful. I know one journal writing exercise uh, I like to do when I catch myself obsessing (laughs) over somebody is uh, what do I really like about that person? What is it that I really like about that person? And just start making a little list. You know, what, Mm -hmm. what are those things? And seeing, you know, what needs do I assume are being filled, you know, by, by this person somehow? What, what needs am I, what am I needing, I guess? What am I needing? And you, you, you touched on it. A lot of times it comes down to the validation. You know, I want to be acknowledged for the, probably these very same things in that list are things that I think I have that I want to be acknowledged for in some way. Mm-hmm. So that, that is exercise. a fantastic journal exercise, and I thought I had heard them all. I, I really like that one. That's a great idea. I had a therapist ask me once. I had gone on a date, and she said, what do you like about him? And that question caught me so off guard. <laughs> I'm just like, what do you mean? What do I like about it? We went out and it was fine and it was fun. But to actually think about, okay, what is it that I'm searching for? What am I attracted to? 
And so yes, look at a list, yes. are these qualities, are they genuine qualities, or is it, I just don't want to be alone right now? So I think making a list is a really great idea. Yes, yes. And some of them are made up. Like, I think that this person is so intelligent, but but I'm just really making a lot of assumptions, you know. Yes, or, or, or sometimes nice, you just nice hair. <laughs> <laughs> or sometimes we attribute something to someone, a quality that they don't have, but we want them to have it. So we yeah. sort of give it to them, and then one day realize, like, no, that, that was me. That wasn't that. <laughs> very good, very good. We're going to take a quick break. We're with Samara O'Shea and talking about her three books. And we'll be right back and we'll dig in some more. You're listening to Journal Talk, a podcast featuring techniques, inspiration, and expert interviews for journal writing. If you have questions, comments, or feedback, you can reach Nathan directly through email at nathan at easyjournaling.com. If you have a question for our Journal Talk Q&A session, please leave a voice message on the Journal Talk listener hotline at 1-805-751-6280. We'll send you a thank you gift if we feature your question on an episode of Journal Talk Q&A. Thanks for sharing your voice. And now, back to more Journal Talk. All right, we're back. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Journal Talk. I'm here with Samara O'Shea, author and soon-to-be psychotherapist. I can't wait. Uh, congratulations in advance. Where, where are you studying, Samara? Thank you so much. I'm studying at Temple University. I live in Philadelphia. Yeah. When, what is your expected graduation date? When, when will you start your practice? Not until, well, I'll graduate in uh, 2016. I'm going part-time, so I'm, I'm taking a long route. And I, I did take a little time, downtime, for sure, uh, sure. book promotion. Yeah, sure. But in uh, 2016, but, that's not far away. That's that's around no, the it's, corner. No, it's not. And when you start a program like this, you think, oh, it's going to take forever. And then I just remind myself, no, time goes by quickly, sometimes more quickly than we want it to. So just get going and, and it'll happen. And yeah. uh, once I graduate, it'll take me a little longer to get on my feet with my own practice because there's a few licenses involved. But first, we'll get the graduation first, and that'll be in 2016. Yes. Your thoughts there remind me of what my dad said when I told him I wanted to go back to school and, and get a counseling degree or something. I said, I said, if I'm doing this part-time, do you realize how old I'm going to be once I get it all finished? And my dad said back to me, yes, I know exactly. You'll be the same age as if you don't do it. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. I might as well do it. Very good. Tell us, I love some of the words that you shared about your role models. Could you tell us who your role models have been in in writing? Yes, absolutely. Anne Lamott uh, is absolutely one of my favorite writers. She writes both fiction and nonfiction and is successful in both, which I find to be very rare and fascinating. Usually you kind of sell in one. But she's just so open and honest in her writing and doesn't hesitate to talk about her days as an addict, as a drug and alcoholic, um, mm. and just her struggles with, uh, one of her big books is called Operating Instructions, was about her year as a single mother, her first year with her son, and just the, all the glory and the difficulties that come along with that, just so very honest. And I can say the same of Maya Angelou. She just really, she writes nonfiction as if it's fiction, just as far as the prose is so beautiful and evocative. Mm-hmm. And again, mm-hmm. just so, so honest. I, you know, remember telling someone 
you know, Maya Angelou, she worked as a prostitute for a, a short time and she was a, a madam for two lesbian prostitutes. And I just thought, how do I know that? Oh, right. She writes about it. She told us. Wow. That. Wow. <laughs> wow. I, I didn't realize that. I'm, I guess I'm not reading her enough. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, she had a, a child at a very young age and, you know, usually somebody who's a child at the age of 17 doesn't go on to read the inaugural poem. I mean, she just lived such an extraordinary life. And so I really appreciate her as a writer and a person. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Very nice. Back on the topic of journal writing, mm-hmm. I know some of the things you had talked about, two or three benefits that you that you experience most. What do you appreciate most about journal writing? I feel at this point in my life, I'm, I'll turn 35 in September, that I have a very good memory. And you know, I'm I'm still on the young side, I know, but I even among my friends, I'll say things, this and that, and oh, they'll, they'll say, I completely forgot about that. And I just can't help but think it must have something to do with writing um, mm-hmm. and this, this practice. So I, I think it's really given me a good memory. And if and when my memory goes, I've got it all written down. So, <laughs> so there's right. that. You'll be able to read um, it as a fiction story later on. <laughs> yes, exactly. I won't I won't even relate to it. And certainly the the present moment relief that comes with journal writing can be similar to crying or even celebrating, just having a moment of a powerful emotion, whether it's positive or negative, and having a place to put it, it just validates it, kind of makes it mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. a little more real. Yes. Yeah. Very nice. All right. Well, Samara, how can people reach you? And is there anything you would like to offer out to the uh, Journal Talk community? I would love to offer something out. So I have a website, letterlover.net. It's still up and active. And while I no longer run uh, the letter writing service, there's a page, a tribute to it. My name, samaraoshea.com, will also take you to the same place. So I have two URLs and uh, my contact information is there, email and whatnot. And I would like to give away two packages of books. So all three of my books, For the Love of Letters, Note to Self, and then Loves Me Not, for $25. The um, retail value of these three books would be $57.85. So I'd like to take that down and give a series to two people, uh, the first two people who email me. I'll actually uh, say my email address, too, so you don't have to go to the website if you don't want. It's Irish Samara, I-R-I-S-H-S-A-M-A-R-A at gmail.com. Beautiful, beautiful. That sounds fantastic. And I, it's probably going to be just one person because I, I, might, I might send you an email. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the other person. It's whoever I'll give next. you some. <laughs> Thank you for having me on. I'll give you some. <laughs> I'm having fun. Samara, thank you so much for your time and sharing yourself and for these wonderful books that you, you write so creatively and and uh, uh, the brutal honesty that you talk about admiring these other people. You share your yourself and your journal entries and it's just so vivid, so real and so tangible. I, I feel like we're we're somehow brother and sister connected somehow. Thank you so much for for sharing. And thank you for the work you do for promoting journal writing. It is wonderful and healthy and for creating this community and inviting me here. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, I hope to have you back someday and we'll stay in touch. Okay, great. Fantastic. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. This episode of Journal Talk is copyright and brought to you by Write for Life. 
a web resource for living with passion, clarity, and purpose through journal writing. Find us online at www.writeforlife.us, spelled W-R-I-T-E, the number four, L-I-F-E dot U-S. Thanks again for listening to Journal Talk.